Hello and welcome to the London edition of Cloud Security Podcast. Yes, we are in London this week. We did a few meetups and we are doing a live stream from London. Today's topic was managed privilege access to a Kubernetes in a cloud environment. For this, we had Saksham Shah from Teleport to come and talk about why managed privilege access is a thing that we should care about in a cloud native world and how it is different to what we used to do in a traditional environment while still maintaining the capability of recording what an admin function is doing without having the sensitive functions being leaked across, having some anomaly behavior detection and a lot more other things. Throughout the episode, we spoke about how the traditional model of privilege access management has changed in the years that we have adopted microservices and how do you make sure that the adoption curve is a lot more easier compared to what it used to be, where it's an additional workflow and people used to hate it. So we spoke about what is required to have really functional and integrated privilege access management tooling in the world of cloud native Kubernetes as well as the cloud and how it is different from a traditional network. As always, if you find this useful or you know someone who's trying to do a managed privilege access project in their organization, feel free to share this with them. I'm sure they will find this valuable. And while you're there, feel free to drop us a review or a rating. It really helps us find more guests and it also helps us find more people that we can help out as well as share about Cloud Security Podcast. I really appreciate the time and I would see you in this weekend's episode of Cloud Security Podcast where we continue talking about cloud native security as I catch my flight after this podcast episode. So I hope you have a great weekend and I will talk to you next week with another episode of Cloud Native Security. Stay safe and if you are in London and if you wanted to see some of the highlights of the work that we've done, definitely check out the LinkedIn page for Cloud Security Podcast and Ashish Rajan and I will see you in the next week's episode. Take care. Peace. Supply chain attacks and other application exploits are growing faster than ever. A big reason is because vulnerable CI/CD systems, service accounts, and microservices don't have an identity. No identity means no authentication and authorization when these services are used to maximize the blast radius of an attack. That's why Teleport created Machine ID. Machine ID delivers identity-based access and audit for infrastructure resources like servers and databases, CI/CD automation, service accounts, and custom code in applications such as microservices. By consolidating identity-based credentials for engineers and the application they write, Teleport closes the identity loophole that enables compromised infrastructure and code to be used in cyber attacks. Visit us at goteleport.com. Hey man, how's it going? Good, how are you? Thanks for being there, man. No problem, man. Thanks for coming in. It really means a lot when I have folks who are adjusting the live stream time zone as well with me. So I appreciate you for doing that. I know who you are. Some of the other listeners may know who you are. People who don't know who Saksham is, can you give us a bit intro about yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. I am Saksham Shah, and I live in Kathmandu, Nepal. I'm a cybersecurity architect by trade. Been in the security industry for almost eight years now. And I have been in both offensive and defensive side of security. And speaking about the topic, today's topic itself, so part of my uh, almost five years of my career in cybersecurity has been exclusively in infrastructure access control and privilege access management space. So I was involved in building infrastructure access control solutions in my previous work. And currently I work in Teleport, where part of my job is to help engineers get started 
in cloud infrastructure, security, secure access space in both cloud and cloud native environments. Yeah. Awesome. So maybe that's a good segue into the topic straight away then. Privilege access management. I think, what does that mean for you? And how is that different, say, for people who may know, I think I know what privilege access management is in like the traditional context. How is that different for infrastructure in, say, cloud versus where it used to be? But before you kind of go into it, if you can tell us what you, how do you define privilege access management? Privilege access management has always been like, so we, so in any organization, so we trust employees and engineers with some roles that they can use to do their work in their, during their job or like, so privilege access management has always been that ensuring that they do not misutilize those roles and privileges or also ensuring that their roles are not compromised by adversaries and are misused against your organization, organization, right? So privileged access management has always been that thing that ensure that the trust that you put give to your employees and you, your contractors or uh, third-party vendors are not misutilized and used against you. So that's the privileged access management space. Talking about how it relates to modern infrastructure, the core concept of privilege access management remains the same. Either we talk about traditional environment or cloud environment, right? Predicting keys to the kingdom, right? So it's the same concept. But I think where it differentiates is how the underlying infrastructure itself has evolved throughout the years. So that requires us to think of a different approach to those concepts. To give you an example on those parts, like how can we rethink or why we need to think rethink our approach to privileged access management is, I think primarily we can categorize those into three parts. First one being, so I think there is a massive increase in the attack surface for infrastructure, right? So if you, if you talk about traditional environment, traditional infrastructure, so typical enterprise would have a fleet of Windows servers, a couple of Linux servers, a big clunky installation of a database, right? So, and maybe they have ERP systems, few internal website and tools and networking devices, right? Firewall, router and switches, right? So typically these used to make up what the internet infrastructure used to be. Now, if we take that into modern infrastructure, right? So the whole concept of even hosting a single big clunky service doesn't make sense. And people prioritize using microservices and we give autonomy to each individual team inside organization. They can deploy their best in class database. They like it. They can deploy the best technological stack. They like it, use best in class programming language or similar suites of tools. They like it. And then again, like uh, using many microservices rather than a single service means that you obviously have many, many servers running in your infrastructure. And then modern organizations are not bound to typical use of typical software suits. And uh, they use multiple teams, use multiple suites of softwares uh, as they seem deemed required for their uh, daily job. So that means that there are lots of lots of attack surface has grown throughout the modern infrastructure operations, right? So. So that drastically increases the attack surface. So if you compare that to traditional environment, so even in today's case, versatile account of compromised versatile account of a junior website developer and marketing team can like wreak havoc in the security space, right? So nobody wants yeah. their website to be defaced. And so that's just part of an example. And so there are many such areas. So that's one part. I think the other part is the change in the workflows itself. Right. So lots of automation, machine to machine access going on 
and that's the change in workflows as well. And the third point is on that, if we can continue, is there is increase in sensitivity of privileged accounts itself, right? So to give you an example, what would happen if in traditional environment an adversary can compromise a root password of a single Linux server, right? So like, for example, to give you an example, I can go in and let's execute RF minus RM minus RF, right? So, and delete the whole certain, if you take that example in modern cloud native or cloud space, like, so that superpower that we give to his DevOps teams in automation can be used as a superpower by adversary as well, right? They can just execute single command, a kubectl delete namespace xyz production production environment and delete the whole like uh, namespace or the everything that's run in the namespace so so the sensitivity of the privileged accounts itself has increased a lot in modern environment interesting so and i think all three of them that you mentioned are very it's fascinating at the same time a lot of people may or may not be aware of this as well because i think the second one that you mentioned where microservices as well as all these different new use any language that you want, use any kind of compute that you want. That's where kind of the Kubernetes side of things has come up as well. Is yes. this, and maybe taking that a step further because we are in the cloud native month as well. How is, what's different between like a cloud one environment in managed privilege access versus a Kubernetes one? Would that be similar or are they? I think so. Again, the concepts are similar, but speaking about platforms, so Kubernetes gives you much more control to operate the whole uh, infrastructure, right? So it, it lets you manage your own, run your own private infrastructure. So that means there are many things related to controlling privileged access to Kubernetes platform itself, right? So mm -hmm. for example, uh, you may want to control privileged access to Kubernetes API itself, the control pane, right? And then you also want to secure the privilege, privileges that you assign to a pod, a namespace, how do you define pod security policies and stuff. So there are platform specific things that you need to take care of. But then again, most of the things are similar. How you control access to a database that's hosted in Kubernetes, how you control access to an internal website, web application tool that is hosted in Kubernetes, right? So all those, those things are similar if we take context of both traditional and Kubernetes environment. Right. I mean, so sounds like when, when you're saying all this and to, to your point, concept hasn't really changed. Mm -hmm. Why is there a need for something new in this space? And like, I mean, yes, there are newer challenges. So are the old tools don't work or like, are they not suited for a modern tech stack? Is like, what, what's making people think of a change for this? Like, cause I thought like, you know, things like SSH, is sold. Mm -hmm. RDP is sold. Mm -hmm. We know how to RDP to a machine. Maybe mm -hmm. what makes it stand, what makes a modern tech stack stand out that where the traditional approaches, even though the conceptually they are same, they mm -hmm. fail. Mm -hmm. So place where like uh, traditional privileged access management solutions fall short is, I think so all the things are similar on both traditional and the cloud native environment. So the solutions that has been ex existed so far, they are not designed to be well adapted to the cloud native workflows itself, right? So, and that's one of the, that we see so far. The other thing is how to unify the Kubernetes workflow with the traditional workflow itself, right? So throughout the year, so many organizations, they started in a co-located data center, they moved to cloud and they are now mo moving to cloud native infrastructure, right? So, and if you if you look at those or types of organization that they 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 have 
almost three different kinds of infrastructure in their whole organization, right? So the one one of the challenges there is how do you consolidate those uh, policies, those privilege management controls that you have been applying to the traditional environment and that were applied to a cloud environment and that will be applied to a cloud native environment, right? So the, one of the main challenges the two existing solutions have is how do you consolidate all those things? So at the conceptual level, they are same, but then how do you integrate and adapt to the workflows? The, the workflows are very, very much different. So that's where the pain of why traditional solution might not work in the modern. Oh, I, I think I know what you mean. So like, for example, the Kubernetes API access is probably not the same as SSH technically. You're just doing a file update and, yeah. but because well, things like privilege access management to because I did identity access management in the beginning of my career. And I always remember this whole thing around the privilege access management is about recording sessions for what people are doing as well in terms of mm -hmm. I have logged in as an admin and traditionally these admin accounts used to be like a dot one account or dot admin account against mine because mm -hmm. I, I technically would have two identities. So, so is identity also being challenged at the same time in this? Because for, for me, or, or can identity remain the same where I could have Ashish and Ashish dot one or Ashish dot admin and Ashish dot admin is kind of the privilege path. So... I can still separate that out and don't have to manage policies like that or the policies still fail. Like I'm, I'm just curious from an identity perspective as well. Has that really changed much between a traditional world and a cloud native world? I think so. In the traditional world, uh, so identity were more focused towards the user. It was how do we authenticate and authorize the user's access to systems and services, right? Yeah. But and I think the majority of the workflow that is around in cloud native environment are mostly related to machine to machine access, right? So the, there are third party tools that access to your infrastructure in an automated fashion. There are CI CD pipelines that are integrated to your cloud native infrastructure, right? So so now that that means that we have more use cases of machine to machine access. That means that there are solutions that falls short on how do you assign these roles and identities to existing they are able to assign those roles and identities to user access, but they fell, fall short in assigning identity to machine and machine access. So since that's, that's one part of it, the way you see it. And again, comparing to the cloud native environment, so most of things are like happening in an automated fashion, right? So there's not a good connection between the or a typical identity management and infrastructure access management. Oh, because the identity is actually technically not in use. It's more from a machine ID that's in use rather than, yeah, say, yeah. Ashish logging in. It's actually yeah. a, a robot user configured by Ashish logging in. Or in a Kubernetes scenario, yeah. you have defined it in a CI/CD pipeline what the new config should be, and the API just manages it for you. So technically, there is no user in question here. Because I was going to ask, the whole privilege access management as a mitigation for, oh, I guess, a lot of compliance controls and otherwise, a lot of people talk about it's all about role-based access control. Yeah, as long as you do RBAC right, your privilege access management should be per it should be perfect. Like, is that being challenged in this space as well, or that still applies? I think uh, so. Uh, RBAC is again. So the way I countered that is so that was a challenge already in traditional environment as well. Right, so you assign RBAC, but there's no way properly to ensure that the assigned privileges will be used correctly or like in an ethical way. And that's what insider threats are about, right? And then again, uh, the other case is that, so how, how do you know that once they are compromised that the impact are lessened and the blast radius are contained, right? How do you know, how, how fast can you identify that if the privilege 
account has been compromised, right? So I think those are the space that are, are we're always challenged by traditional way of assigning roles and privileges, right? So if a privileged account is compromised, like how fast can you detect that the account was compromised and maybe log that account, disable that account, similar kind of stuff, right? So I think those were the things that were always challenged. It's simple in terms like solves most of the cases, but what happens when they are misutilized? So that, that, is, that is the whole concept of privileged access management. And to your point then, I, although I've been challenging you on the whole, hey, what, how is it different for a traditional? Why do I even care about a new privilege access management? I think you've done a, you've done really well to talk about why the traditional model should be challenged. Maybe my follow-up question to all this is then, what should we be looking for, me and the listeners, when we think about privilege, privilege access management, say in cloud or in Kubernetes or whatever a modern stack may look like for us? What are some of the things we should look for in whatever approach, whether it's an open source or a paid software, whatever you look for, what should we be looking for as a component for a, a tool which would be cloud native and to your point helps you kind of, I think I'm, well, maybe I'm answering the question a bit more by saying centralizing policies and stuff as well. Like, so what, should, what qualities should we be looking for in a privileged access management uh, strategy that we would have for a cloud native world? Hmm. Okay. So to answer that, I think the role of privileged access management solution is, again, to lessen the risks of misutilization of the privileged accounts itself, and also limit the blast radius when the privileged accounts are compromised, right? So that should be the core part of privileged access management solution. And to, like, to enable that, to allow that is, I think we need to rethink about how the privileged accounts are managing themselves, right? So the first part of it being, how do you manage credentials related to privileged accounts, right? So traditionally we have been like many people, organization, I think all of them are using password-based authentication in one form or another, right? So I think passwords are bad. So if you relate that to a uh, privileged account, what happens when a privileged account's password is compromised, right? So there is no way to detect it. There is like, it's, it is challenging to invalidate passwords, right? So, and users always use weak passwords. Like even if they use strong passwords, like there are way to compromise password because that it, it has, it is associated with many risks, can be compromised with phishing, can be prone to brute force attacks, right? So much, so many stuffs, right? So the first part we uh, see is the problem is with related with the credentials that are uh, assigned to privileged accounts. It's even so if you uh, take that to machine to machine access, so most of them are authenticated with API tokens, right? So even API tokens are some sorts of passwords in disguise, right? So once they get stolen, you can invalidate them, right? So the token rotation, it's a challenging part. If you have one service that's access managing access to your infrastructure, I think you can manage password or API token or keys rotation for a single service. But if you have multiple many services talking to each other, I think that will be challenging in that part where you have to like rotate many keys and tokens around time. And in that case, most of the teams don't follow security-based practices of uh, period periodically rotating them all, right? So I think the main problem is related to passwords and similar type of credentials. And that's where the modern privileged access management solutions should look towards assigning passwordless authentication mechanism to privileged account, right? 
So you almost in that way can eliminate the whole risk associated with the compromise of credentials, chances of uh, misusing credentials to exploit uh, vulnerabilities and so on. So I think the first part is moving towards the password. Let's maybe use modern passwordless solutions as such as WebAuthn or use certificate-based authentication and similar stuff. So first thing is moving towards passwordless solution. That that's what a modern privilege access management should offer. The second thing is I think how do you like directly integrate with the workflows that engineers already are doing in their everyday job, right? So engineers being engineers, if you force them to do it different way, like they're always find a way to bypass that control <laughs> and they'll find it one way or another and they'll do stuff. So I think the best part of security is uh, good security solutions to always integrate to the tools and workflows the engineers already have, right? In, uh, modern, uh, in traditional privilege access management context, so you would require an engineer to go into PAM solution, authenticate with that solution, retrieve credentials, right? And in many cases, you have to use the tools provided by those privileged access management solution. They did not use to work with the tools or command line tools or favorite database client tools, similar kind of stuff. And they would force you to use another tools, uh, restricted tools, restricted shells, right? So, and they would force the engineers to work that way. I think modern privileged access management solutions should integrate to the workflows that engineers already have so that security can be brought to the workflow that is already being used in the daily operation. So I think those are the two parts. And I think the, the solution you're referring to, and I've been, uh, it, it's it, the name of it rhymes with Noah's Ark. So, so I'm just going to use, use, I'm going to drop that in there. And I think I, I'm, I know exactly what you're talking about. It definitely doesn't make you make any friends, but so passwordless as well as using some kind of a workflow, which integrates with where developers are. Can you expand mm. a bit on the second one? Because I, I think it's a it's an interesting one where I would have thought in a cloud context, you have a jump box and then you use mm -hmm. a jump box to SSH into any box. Maybe you're deep inside your AWS account or Azure subscription, you have a database subscription somewhere, which is only accessible through a jump host through multiple hoops. Over. Is that what a developer would be using as well? Or is that my infrastructure security engineer brain kind of going? It, it, like, What are some of the examples, I guess, of this workflow that you just kind of mentioned and how can security integrate there? Okay, so I think for security to be in, in terms of access to be properly implemented, the, the solution has to like be able to understand the underlying protocol itself, right? The traditional way of doing that was like throw up open SSH jump box somewhere and allow every make everyone to access databases, SSH servers, or even Windows servers through that jump box. But the limitation to that is that SSH jump box, they only speak SSH pr protocol. Like they can't tunnel any protocol underneath the SSH protocol, but again, they are not protocol aware per se. So a good solution has to be able to understand and support the underlying protocol itself to get the visibility over what's going on over every infrastructure connection, right? So the solution has to, a, a proper solution has to be a good SSH proxy, or for example, it has to be a good database proxy if it's uh, controlling access to database. It has to be a good HTTP proxy if it's uh, controlling access to web services. It has to be good RDP proxy if it's uh, supporting uh, access to Windows servers, right? So the solution has to be well in integrated at the protocol level so that the privileged access management solution has 
full visibility and control over access that's going underneath. Oh, okay. I, I, I get that then. So to your point, if we're almost, in a way, a lot of way we're challenging that entire notion of just, just simply SSH. But the other one, the passwordless one as well, how does that fit? Because SSH still requires you to have a key, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how does the whole passwordless kind of thing kind of fit into this kind of workflow? So for SSH, uh, SSH also supports a certificate-based authentication, right? So although the form of the certificate is somewhat related, is similar to the keys, but mm-hmm. it's still a certificate, right? So in that case, so it's a SSH supported certificates are a bit, a bit different than the popular X509 certificates, yep. right? But, but, but then you can add context to certificate-based authentication, right? So for example, you can give a scope, assign a scope permission to the certificate, right? Uh, so the user is only able to access these sorts of servers. You can like hard code or dynamically assign that to a certificate. And the best part of a certificate is that you can also assign uh, a short-lived expiry so that oh. they automatically get uh, revoked or technically speaking, their time will be expired at, at certain time frame, and will not be able to use that. Anyone will not be able to reuse that certificate after a certain period of time, right? So that's how certificate can help in. Oh, and would that be contexts. issued based on my credentials? So uh, like Ashish just logs in with his credential, but I, instead of me getting a SSH key, I'm just getting a SSH certificate, which yeah. I can then use to, which is short lived, and I use to. I guess SSH into a jump host that that I can use to access my my database, which is in the deepest layer of my AWS account, and mm-hmm. it should still be. I mean, I, I guess how do you? Because the uh, one thing that people talk about privilege access management is also the fact that you mentioned two qualities, which was having integrated integration of security into an existing workflow for security, having more than password as a way of authenticating and i guess because rotating password is hard and i, I totally get that even with the apis having a whole life cycle behind it i mean i'm not even going to go into talk about the whole shared credentials that people have as well for privilege access because you don't want to have too many there's a license issue and all that so i'm not going to go into that as well but mm-hmm. ju- just to think from a perspective of okay i've got those two one more thing that people would concern themselves with is how do i kind of audit or how do I log what Ashish has done as a privileged user? Like w- what kind of things they should be looking in a privileged access management uh, strategy for, okay, I, mean, I need to have an approach where it's not just password. I can go for the SSA certificate that you mentioned. I'm assuming mm-hmm. there's an RDP equivalent as well. And mm-hmm. the second one being you integrate into the workflow. But what, what am I looking for? Uh, am I, uh, audit- how am I auditing what I'm doing is accurate and can I stop the behavior or is that even a thing that's not possible? I know the Noah's Ark thing reminded me of that thing. They used to do these recordings of the session. Is, is that something that is possible in a cloud native world or, or is there something even better? Speaking about recording, I think it's more possible in the cloud native world, right? So oh, everything really? is software. Yeah, because everything is software defined, right? So we can like have everything go the traffic, everything that can go through the privilege access management system and that can be recorded. I think that, that that's the flexibility we have more in cloud native solutions. Otherwise, if you take that example through traditional environment where you have to monitor uh, access that are being made, made to a hardware devices, right? So th- that there are many challenges in that part, but yeah. I think that's more in favor of cloud native environments, right? And obviously you, part of privileged access management is recording the activities that users or machine performs in an authentication, authenticated and authorized station. 
Yeah. Uh, that that's a core part of privilege access management, right? We you record signing in and signing out events, right? And even including every commands they use, they execute in the session. But to answer to your question, I think the way I see it personally is privilege access management should be more focused to how to ensure that the misuse again misuse of privileges are are lessened, right? And then again, how fast can we identify or how can we like reduce the chances of uh, getting the privileged accounts compromised itself? And how do you re reduce the impact when a privileged account is compromised? So monitoring, again, it's it's a core part of it, but there's so much that can go into monitoring, right? So we can set up automated fashion to, to understand the pattern of users, how they have a daily pattern of access to certain systems, how machine to machine communicates in a certain pattern in a daily environment. And if you can detect anomaly in the pattern, then you can might send, send an alert, go back to a privilege access management system and see the recording of whole session. Like that, that is a part, but that can scale only so much. Right. And so, so privilege access management solutions should be focused more towards lessening the risk of uh, compromised privileged accounts. Interesting. So in a way, because you know how the Noah's Ark example that I keep going back to were, mm -hmm. and you kind of touched on this as well, they give you access to the box through a restricted terminal. Mm -hmm. And we're all talking about, hey, no, you should integrate into something that I'm already using as a, as a DevOps yeah. engineer or a developer. Yeah. Yeah. So are we... Oh, okay. So for, as a quality for what we should consider for our privilege access management, you should also look for things like how do, how do I uh, keep a log of what commands have been run? And to your point about the anomaly or the anomaly pattern as well. So, so it is possible to kind of monitor it to a pattern that, hey, this Ashish's profile usually comes in, does a SSH command, comes in, looks at the, I don't know, standard input, standard output, and makes sure that Nginx is running on this box and that's it. But one day he decides to suddenly start spraying the network for what ports are open. Like that kind of anomaly can be detected as well as, as not these days with privilege access. So privilege access management records those kinds of activities, right? So that that those data can be fitted into the other logs that in, in, in SOC environment you get along with other services. So you can correlate it those, those data and, yeah. and come up with assumption uh, on that part, yes. Right, and how do you scale this? Because I'm thinking, you know, this is like... I don't know, man. I think these these days everyone's trying to be the next Facebook as well. So every, no one's really thinking about it. Just Ashish and uh, Ashish and Sakshin just trying to access the uh, cloud environment. It's not just two people. It's like yeah. multiple teams, hundreds of teams. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. how does this kind of thing scale? Like, so, and maybe is that where people kind of switch between open source and paid solutions as well? I don't even know. No, so I think so. So that's my that was my point earlier as well, right? So the mo monitoring part in the privilege access management solution they can scale only so much, right? At some point they uh, they can do they will record they can record every activities and such, but they yeah. can do so much in the monitoring side. It won't yep. it, it hardly scales in modern workflows, like right? where, where there are many many thousands of users, thousands of machine to machine communication and such. So that's why modern uh, privilege access management solutions should be focused towards how can you reduce the risks of the privilege accounts getting compromised. Mm -hmm. And also they should be able to reduce the risks that once the privilege account are compromised, what solution can the PAM solution bring in so that they are contained 
in a way that they can be pivoted to uh, further extend, right? So that should be a core part of the modern privileged access management solution. And to your point, because it's all software defined, it, this, this should be possible. Yes. It should not be. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Correct. So, so everything is software defined. You can control that to a much greater extent, right? So in traditional workflows, mo most of the stuff we're doing manually, right? So that was hard to do that in automated fashion. But now yep. we have that opportunity in cloud native environment. Modern privileged access management is able to do that and should be favored. Awesome. I think that's more, and I'm curious as well. Is there a question that you get asked quite often about privilege access management that I haven't asked you yet? I'm, I'm curious. Is there, because I feel like I've covered, at least from my curiosity perspective, I've covered the traditional angle because coming from a world of identity access management where the Noah's Ark uh, thing was very popular in my world for, for a long time and it was very clunky. Installation used to take, man, I don't know. God knows, six months, seven months to just install this thing as well. And that's why I can't name uh, the exact name of this uh, Noah's Ark because uh, I'm, I'm sure they come after me after this. But but I'm sure they've changed by now, right? So I'm not saying that they are still doing what they were doing 10 years ago because there was no cloud back then as well that people were working on. So they might have changed. But it, it makes me think that what other things people should think about, especially people like me who are from a traditional environment who's now adopted cloud, cloud native, what other things are we probably not asking that we should, that you get asked quite often? Like, is there a question that I haven't asked you we should be asking people like about the new world of privilege access management in cloud native world? Okay. Uh, I think, right, so uh, privilege access management or even access management in that regard, like has history, have been historically like taken for granted, right? So, because access management to to a certain extent has is a solved problem, right? So like yeah. if you talk about like SSH, right? So it was introduced in nineties. We had yeah. LDAP already introduced in nineties, right? So most part of access management has has been always already been right brought to the market way way long before, right? So that yeah. that's uh, and again most of the products or platform themselves bring the concept of privilege management role assignment, role creation, and how can you secure those stuff as well. So so I think these are the re reasons that privileged access management itself are you know, have always been taken for granted. Like people care, but then as in the way of, in the view of compliance or only if you are like big, big Fortune 500 companies and you have to think about compliance in that regard. But I think that is also the case that, that that's why so many data breaches, security breaches are due to the compromise of their privileged account, right? So, so that's, that's the one part of it. I think so moving forward is how can we integrate privileged access management, concept of privileged access management into, again, the daily workflow of access requirements that is in every organization, right? If you can, like... Uh, combine and integrate those two things and bring security and the normal way of access to us and make it as the same thing. I think that's that's a part where everyone should be talking about and should be thinking about the security strategy of securing privileged accounts. I think that's a good point. How do you, because to your point, actually what you, what you said is absolutely right. SSH and RDP has been solved since the 90s, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. you may talk about the fact that, yes, we are trying to reduce risk. Yeah, yeah. And if you tell that to a developer or their manager, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all about that, man. I'm just doing, making yeah. sure my SSH keys are not shared yeah. or everything. So yeah. how do you sell something like, 
and by sell, what I mean is like I am a security uh, CISO. I have to convince my team for using a privilege access management solution, whether it's open source or paid or whatever, or even if it's Noah's Ark. What <clears throat> what do you see as a way that people are able to accept or or able to kind of sell the idea of hey, you need privilege access management into a team, apart from mm-hmm. The compliance run, hey, we have compliance number one, two, three, four. According mm-hmm. to that, we should be recording sessions for privilege access. Is there anything outside of that that can be used as a way to, I, I guess, to, to sell the idea that hey, we should do privilege access management better instead of just using our current credentials for privilege as well as non-privilege access? Like, I'm always, I'm, I don't want to have users that are always admin. I want them to make a conscious thing to say, I'm switching now to an admin person. So... That's why I have to do all these extra things. So do you mm-hmm. find this? And how do you sell that thing to other development teams? Okay, so to, to that part, uh, first I start with the open source thing, right? So I think if, if we are to speak about the cloud native environment, I, I see personally don't see any reason to go with non-open source tools on that part, right? So yeah. because the whole the ecosystem is built around open source, I think everyone should start with open source solution, right? Yeah. So, but in that part, how do you like tell XYZ team to even use an open source tool that yeah. would get in their daily way of workflow and require them to change their workflow, right? So that's where I think the the important part of selling the idea of privileged access management is how can we actually solve the da- integrate with the daily workflow of the developers, of the engineers, of security teams, right? So that they don't need to go to um, different con- context and how they have been accessing their servers and their services in their daily workflow, right? So, so for example, if you already, you, you can integrate privileged access management solution to the tools they already use and all the magic of privileged controls happens in the background magically, right? So people won't care at that time, right? But if, if you force them to use a different tool, if you force them to like re-authenticate every time, let's say, so, or if you don't integrate with the tools they already use, if they are using communication tools, for example, the chat ops platform like Slack and Mattermost, if you don't integrate with those stuff, right? So people will find it very hard to use that solution. So, so the important part is how to integrate with, again, the workflow of the developers and engineers that are already being used, right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so they don't find it very hard to like, Get, they don't think they are challenged to use a different system. Right. So making it almost seamless for them to start using something like this yeah. instead of like, a, hey, this is yeah. an extra step that you have to do now. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that, that's where also the capability of the privileged access management systems comes in, how they can integrate well, well with the tools that all the engineers and developers already use, right? And yeah. also how the solution can support and speak the native protocols like database wire protocols, SSH protocols, RDP protocols at native level so that the solution can integrate with the, all the tools and services that everyone uses in organizations. So that's, that's where the capability of modern privilege access management comes in. Awesome. No, thanks so much for this, man. I really appreciate this. And I think it's definitely a great introduction into the whole space of how someone can manage privilege access management for infrastructure, whether it's cloud or cloud native Mm -hmm. in in the modern context. Uh, Now, that's pretty much the end of the technical questions that I had for you. I definitely have a couple of, actually three fun questions which we ask our guests towards the end. I'm going to start with the first one. They're pretty straightforward just to get to know you a bit more. The first one being, what do you spend most time on when you're not working on technology or this privileged access management stuff? 
Okay. I think when I'm not working, mostly watching movies or listening to mm. music. That's and nice. doing some similar lazy stuff, man. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, I enjoy that lazy stuff as well. So I'm, yeah. I'm with you on that one. The second question being, what is something that you're proud of but is not on your social media? Okay. So I'm hardly active in social media. So <laughs> oh, I think there are many stuff that are not in my social media. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so wait, what is there something that you're proud of that you obviously clearly haven't shared much on social media? So what is something that you're proud of? Okay. And man, there the quick one I remember <laughs> right now is like, so yeah, so the college where I studied, so yeah. now, so they have like allocated a whole lecture hall on behalf my, of my name. Right. So, wow. so I, I think that that's a proud moment to hear, I guess. Wow. You have an yeah. entire classroom with your name on it? Like, as in, yeah. so they get, is that because, I don't know, did, what was the, what was the thing that encouraged them to go down that path? Like, as in giving you that honor? That sounds pretty awesome as well, by the way. Congratulations. So, uh, thank you. I think so based on my work. So like I had, so if, if talk about Nepal, so it's a small space, yep. the whole security team and security committee is small space. And I think it's based upon my contribution to the security ecosystem overall. Oh, so, right. Okay. Now, congratulations, man. That's pretty awesome yeah. to be able to at least, I mean, and, and it may be small, but it's not too small that, you know, there's only one Saksham Shah in the entire Nepal. So that's why, hey, it was only one person. So we should make it. So clearly kudos to you for doing something really amazing that got recognized. Thank so, you so much. Congratulations, man. man. So Thank final you. question. What is uh, your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share with us? Cuisine? Yeah. So uh, I'm a foodie per person, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, if you ask me right, but, uh, yes, I, I I I love every cuisine that sounds that tastes delicious, right? So, uh, what's your current favorite dish? Then I'm sure it's not momos. I'm sure it's more than momos now. No, but at the end of the day, I think the Nepalese cuisine is. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty awesome, though. I think even what the goat curry is momos. my thirst, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No matter so, where I go and where, what cuisine I eat, like after a few days, I have to eat the Nibli's food. <laughs> so, yeah, fair enough. No, that's that's yeah, a good way to look yeah. at it because I, I definitely find that we have a few Momo places in Melbourne that we are really fond of. I think even though I'm here in London right now, I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll have a lot of the Momos as well as goat curries over here as well. So I'm looking forward to finding that. But dude, thanks so much for sharing this as well. I really appreciate this. And where can people find you if they have more questions around managed privilege access? to cloud and cloud native i think you can ping me on linkedin so that that's the, at least the least uh place where i'm <laughs> at least active <laughs> as compared oh, fair to enough. other social mediums yeah all right i'll, yeah, I'll leave a link for LinkedIn. that on the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'll leave a link for your linkedin account onto the website as well so people can go on to it as well. but thank you so much for doing this man i really appreciate your time and i'm really looking forward to having you hopefully soon and talk more about the privilege access access management space as well and for yeah. everyone else, thank you for tuning in. And we will see you on the, actually, I'll we'll see you in a couple of days when you're back in Melbourne with the next episode of Cloud Native. And we've got two more episodes to go before we end the month. But uh, for now, thank you, Saksham. And thank you, everyone else who kind of came on. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah. No problem, right. man. All right. See you, everyone. Bye. <laughs> If you have been enjoying your weekly cloud security news, search for cloud security news on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. Leave us a review if you are loving what we are doing and do share it with someone who you think will get value from this. This has been your cloud security news for this week. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.